Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? It's Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Media Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. How in the blue blazes are ya? I'm Steve Schwartzman. Welcome to another episode. We are itching ever closer to the 2020 season, also known as Triple Header Madness. Uh, you've heard me say my name. I'm going to say our other esteemed host's name. His name's Logan Jones. Logan, how are things? Steve, uh, things are rad. They've they've never been. <laughs> so, you know, I, I it's been so long since I started a show like really positively because I always feel like I'm like Steve I'm okay and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to will myself into uh you know like like basketball starting and things are good yeah second half it, of the year you know pro- it probably has something to do with recording at 5 p.m and not like one in the morning that is that's a hundred percent let's go ahead and jump things in obviously the the main story of the week in a lot of cases is the release of the 2020 season schedule but obviously other things have bumped up into the recent discussion and i think it makes sense to jump right into those logan let's talk a little bit about elena deladon or otherwise this unnecessary battle elena deladon has to fight with the wnba in general we're going to talk about perfectly healthy and and 100 ready to go and there's no reason she should worry about going into the bubble in adela dom according to the uh the panel of doctors who have reviewed her yeah <laughs> her case <laughs> exactly i want to explain this a little bit exactly like i did to my wife because i think it helps because she's not as much a sports fan and so explaining it to her is basically to say there's another league in the NWSL who are given the ability to sit out and still have a contract. And the WNBA, they weren't given that luxury. Enable to still get your pay and sit if you're at a health risk, you had to be approved by a panel who did several checkups on your condition. And they did those things for Elena Deladon. By the way, the MVP the general face of the league at this moment, someone who's given a lot of investment and time into helping grow this league and was arbitrarily not granted that exemption because her condition happened to just not be printed on the list of what they approved. Now the important thing, Elena Deladon has Lyme disease. To me, that's something that's on a list of just, I shouldn't even have to question. Like, yeah, please take your time. Her personal doctor is, is obviously said like yes like and she's she's had it since you know chronic Lyme disease since 2008 which if you don't know um you're you're susceptible to bouts of fatigue um, I believe it, it can have a major effect on your immune system just because it's, it's just one of those things that is in your system mm-hmm. and, and once it's in there's no cure for getting it out and her personal physician has, has essentially urged her not to to uh, brave the bubble this year it just and that, and that was before the the panel right like before the panel said anything her personal physician was like i don't think it's a good idea and then the panel said well we're not gonna pay your salary because technically you should you know you should be able to be there and play and this is this is an important factor and i i want to let you get back on this but she wants to play she told sarah spain of espn like i want to be with my team i want to play we we won the championship last year but i don't think it's very smart um, yeah. and i yeah i think she was 
she was awestruck it sounds like that, that the panel denied that request yeah there was definitely a lot of shock to go behind it because not only on the health spectrum but this is one of those things of like the unfortunate thing is there's two conversations here there's asserting and discussing the importance of health which is the most important discussion and there's the other lesser important discussion that also carries a lot of merit which is this so quickly has become a pr nightmare for the league that cannot afford this type of a PR nightmare. You're having a, basically a public tug of war with one of the key faces of your league, one of the most recognizable players you have that should be helping champion the cause that you're pushing toward. And now is a part of a lot of players very comfortably opening up and saying, hey, this is kind of bullcrap. Natasha Cloud just tweeted about her frustration with it and this shouldn't be how they treat things. This is Natasha Cloud who willingly for a very noble cause, willingly stepped away from the season, knowing the risk behind it. This is different from someone who is your reigning MVP, reigning champion, who had interest in playing, but really wanted to take the advice of her personal doctor very seriously. In a lot of ways, it just, it's, to me, this is a year where you just have to live with taking a loss in those situations. (laughs) And just saying, like, we're going to, yeah. we're just going to have to eat that sunken cost and give you the opportunity. That's exactly what the NWSL is doing right now. The NWSL is not going to, to have the Challenge Cup if they couldn't protect their players' abilities to make that decision. No league should push forward with any initiative unless that's the case. The interesting thing is, if she was injured, she would be getting paid. Like, I almost think that what, what Coach Tio needs to do, if he respects the, the, the situation of his player is to be like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention, Elena Deldon's out for the season with back spasms because she really does have that. So, and by the way, that wouldn't be uh, that wouldn't be untruthful. You're, uh, I learned this recently. Your discs do not fully heal once they've ruptured. Yeah. Um, and I believe she was playing with multiple ruptured discs. So that's the thing. A legitimate argument. That's what adds to the narrative of this. This is not only someone who won a championship, was your MVP. When she went was the focal point of two fi- straight finals runs on what, from I, my understanding, is an in, like a very, very, very like treacherous back injury, like that type of thing but, is but a really hard to get up off the couch for. Yeah, she if, was playing elite level basketball through that. If, if a chiropractor can't relieve the pressure on it, you you go in and you get a, a CT and you get surgery. That's how serious. I mean, <laughs> which is by the way. What a freaking stud, by the way, for playing through that injury and winning an MVP in a final. No, absolutely. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but, then, but it's, it's, yeah. Here's, here's a couple extra complications that I'm going to fire your way and see how you feel about this. So it, it appears that the WNBA and the NBA are kind of under the same umbrella with this because Victor Oladipo of the Pacers is also not getting an injury designation and will not be earning a salary for, for the end of the year. In fact, I've seen headlines where Deladon and Oladipo are sharing the headline because it's a big enough story that both these Cause he players... Because he played like three games before the right. league got shut down right. or something like that. And and even then, like you, you, everyone knows you don't come back fully healthy. Those are basically like get your legs under you type games. You, he will not be making his salary either. Uh, in addition to that, Elena Deladon, who who we could be here all day talking about her her awards and accolades and importance to the league and and why this is the exact person you don't want to piss off uh, when it comes to dealing with this sort of thing is a Nike app. If you go to the Nike factory, your local, you know, wherever, there's going to be a 12 foot tall poster of Elena Deladon on the wall. A lot of people are calling on Nike to pay her salary uh, as kind of just a, a showing of goodwill. Like, ah, oh, like that's, you know, it's dumb that. I mean, uh, 
but it, the, the, I, yeah. obviously Nike could do that. And and honestly, I, I believe I'll get a little ahead of myself here. Mm-hmm. I believe Deladon will not play this year. I don't think we will see her in a, in a mystics uniform. I think even if it means costing herself a year's salary, I don't think it's smart for her to go and, and play. I don't think it's Nike's responsibility to do that. And I obviously they could, they have the money, yeah. but I think it's a stronger, like there's got to be a better way to pressure the WNBA in, in, into handling this correctly instead of Nike just being like, don't worry about it, we'll cover it. You know, does, doesn't it's, that feel like a like such a weird cop-out? The one thing about it, so so this happened with Natasha Cloud. Converse is paying her annual salary and is helping fund any initiative she's putting toward the Black Lives Matter movement for the season, which is fantastic on Converse, which is why I'm happy I have now 58 pairs of Converse behind me. This is not a Converse commercial, but it could be if, if they wanted to sponsor. That said... That was a situation, you know, that's a situation where obviously that's a, a strong and noble case. The one thing you can say to that is one thing that is taken away. If Nike were to do that, if they were to come in and say, here's your annual salary you'd be getting from the WNBA, Which well, you're basically just bailing out the WNBA, who should be held accountable for not taking care of their players in these circumstances. No player should feel that level of financial pressure to have to come in and yeah. play. There's pressure on other players. Dana Taurasi and Sue Bird have both mentioned their scenarios why they felt like they needed to come and play. And it wasn't finances. It was, I'm looking at over two years of not playing professional basketball if I sit out the season. And at my age, and as long as I've played, I have to retire. The, the, the wheels can't be greased well enough if I sit out that long at my age. So I need to come in and get those minutes in so that I can prolong my career. That is a completely different discussion as to say I'm potentially immunocompromised. Like if I take that risk, because the truth of this is we've talked about this before is the honest reality at the end of all this is the number of players that should be playing is zero. When we look at the spectrum, especially in the state of Florida, this should be happening to begin with. So if you're going to make it happen, if you're going to do the show must go on mentality, you should be willing to listen and honor just about any case, unless you can prove absolutely finitely that they are broad stirring their way through a claim just to get a salary to do if they're Stefan Marbering this to so they can get paid to do nothing. For some reason, you find that whatever. But in most cases, I think you have to find a way to honor that. And that's where this is really curious in that I, I'm curious as to how the season got even agreed to without that promise on the table. Yeah, I I I agree. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I, I believe that the number of players who are playing this year shouldn't necessarily be zero. It should just be whoever opts in with an understanding mm-hmm. that their salaries are covered regardless. Because let's remember that even Deladon, who's the reigning MVP and WNBA champion, uh, is making roughly, is it $115,000 this year? These I, I understand why there would yeah. be financial hardship if there wasn't a WNBA season and, and they owed their players, you know, max deals like in the NBA worth $30 million a year. That, that would be really hard to, to wrap your mind around. But Kelly Leffler ran off with like 50 million in March and they can't find a way to pay the MVP of the league 100K. Like, I know the two aren't really related, but I like to bring that up anytime I can. Um. <laughs> well, I think that adds to the WNBA has been pulled into a lot of different PR corners lately. At the start of this, this lean into the season, a lot of things, they made good decisions. Those are kind of the two main decisions that everyone's sitting and went, okay, what are you going to actually do about it though? This is one of them. Obviously the Loeffler thing is the other one, because just about every single employee in your league has said she needs to be out and what are we getting you know what are you actually going to end up doing about that to, to kind of put a, a bow on this a little bit it's a problem to be at odds with the most impo- arguably the most impl- important player in your league 
the year after, you know, she might have an all-time high, you know, level of interest and, and eyeballs on what she specifically is doing. And I think Deladon would be correct, um, not only to sit out this season, but to level some criticism at this process. Um, because as you said, this should this should basically be a like the acceptable number of uh, of players going without their salary this year is zero, whether they opt in or out of the yeah. bubble. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've hit this pretty well and, and we have a schedule to talk about. But I, I think the last kind of note on this that's important to note is not necessarily in terms of sports because the NWSL came back first and the MLS came back second. And for some reason, reason, people are struggling to realize that. But on, on the basketball spectrum, the WNBA has six days to capitalize on having the full attention of the basketball fan community. It's six days until the 31st when the, the MNBA kicks off. You have that much time where that wave is open for you you need to position yourself to have as strong of a product as possible in that time because it can actually pay a lot of dividend for you this is the type of stuff that could put a a pretty heavy wrench to a lot of that because all due respect to victor oladipo who's thingamajig from the mass singer so of course i respect him and he has trying hard to come back from a horrific injury you know victor oladipo is an all-star but definitely at a certain level, we're talking about one of the three best players in the entire league that is is being put through this. So it's a, it's a tough look. That said, it is still pretty fresh. It is still pretty emotional. By the end of the week, things could take a different turn. We'll just have to see. Uh, these are just the types of circumstances. These are the types of discussions you definitely don't want to be having right now. This is not, this is not a political podcast. I won't go all the way into the deep end here, but does this not mirror so many other discussions happening in the country right now, which basically come down to people in charge of your salary and your livelihood are deciding that it's worth the risk to have you return to work. That's what's really happening here. And it's happening on this stage in the spotlight with an MVP of a a professional sports league. And it's happening all across the country with educators and essential workers and people that would prefer not to be uh, endangering themselves in in a time Mm -hmm. where we are still not solving the the pandemic crisis uh, as effectively as we could be but are essentially being strong-armed into that position because they have no other choice. Yeah, I think it's, it reminds me of an article that the, the town that we went to college in, just did, there's an article that went out that announced that they're going to be running their like rodeo and fair pretty much as planned, <laughs> with their main note being the show must go on. But here's the thing, no, it doesn't. And it's it's kind of that same scenario of like, well, we need you here. And it's, like, well, no, you don't. I mean, yeah. It's helpful for revenue, and there's potentially ways to make things safe. I'm not trying to out all of that. This comes down to the fact that, no, you don't. If I if I want to sit, I'll sit. That that should be respected. This, this just goes to show how, how even though there's been little change on the, the front of the, the pandemic spreading across the population since March, there's been a lot of change in people's attitudes because we canceled the March Madness men's and women's tournament at the drop of a hat in March. We've talked about this. Rudy Gobert... You know, it wasn't his fault, but he like him coming down with a case of COVID was the reason that basically we just blanket canceled everything for, you know, the foreseeable future. I feel like if COVID would have hit October, we would have had the March Madness tournament because six months later, we're all, yeah, you you mentioned the, the Cache County Fair is going on. Everyone's like, well, you know, I got to have my funnel cakes. Like, yeah. Okay, like if we didn't get the March Madness tournament, which is my most important couple weeks of the year, by the way, yeah, <laughs> then we can do without the funnel cakes and the gravitron and the rodeo for a, a summer while we while we try to get this under wraps. Sorry, that's not basketball related, but to to your point, that's 
things, the attitudes have changed so much in so little time because we're essentially saying everyone, regardless of pre-existing conditions or, or risk factors, should have to just go on as normal and we're just going to have to suffer a couple, you know, 100,000 deaths that don't need to happen because, because life needs to go on. Which is a paradox if you think about it. Yeah, and, and I think it's probably good for us to move on because there's a lot more I could say about this, and it would take me down a pretty heavy rant of my existential terror between wanting to watch basketball but not wanting anything to be happening at all. And <laughs> it just kind of messes with your brain. But that said, I mean, I, we'll just have to see how this one pans out. Hopefully, cooler heads prevail and it goes the way that it absolutely should. And it probably will like the mere second we're done recording, which is just how life works. That said, let's talk about something that we almost wonder if we were ever going to see before the season started. And that's like the schedule. Yay. That's uh, where we're just over a week to the start of the season, or I guess 11 days is close to two weeks, but we're not very far from the start of the season. We're just barely figuring out uh, the schedule. So it got laid out uh, early Monday morning and is, I'm going to call it a monstrosity. No, it's a I, lot. I, I, I get what you say. It is, it is colossal. Uh, I feel like monstrosity is like a negative connotation, Steve. I, I love, I love schedule reveals, but you're right. Looking through it. I, uh, it's if, if you're trying to look through it in a way that makes sense. I mean, every, I mean, go, go on. You'll, you'll explain yeah. it. I just, I will say, I'm not trying to generally wax negative, but I'm also not waxing positive. Like it's extremely overwhelming for anyone who actually is covering any level of media for this, whether they're in the level or they're doing it remotely. How are they going to see their families? Remember their kids' names, eat meals, <laughs> triple headers nearly every day through mid September is a lot. And I know for a lot of people that, can sound like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. We get so much because we think about the March Madness thing, right? First two rounds of March Madness is amazing because there's like a thousand games. The thing is, after three, four days, keels off and we're able to breathe again. This just feels really overwhelming. I didn't get it that I don't know how they avoid it because they have a timeline to meet. I will, I'm just I like, will Steve, for the sake of yeah. this show, this is amazing because every, you know, let's say we do an episode every seven days. I mean, we're. <laughs> <laughs> we have 21 games to go back and look at pick the highlights the the best ofs from from a lot of content um but i are they are they assuming that essentially the beat writers for every team will cover their team and only their team and then collectively that will be coverage for the league because it's going to be very difficult to recap every day uh three three games worth of action non-stop for three straight months well and the other side of it too is You've you pretty well avoided back to backs from what I can see, which is great. Uh, as much as possible. Right. That said, there are cases where very consistently teams are playing every other day for a very long stretch. So you're looking at on top of we have no idea when COVID is just going to completely deplete a roster at any point. And then on top of it, it's like if Bree Stewart's one that I'm thinking a lot about because I, I think she's gotten sufficient amount of time to be able to get back to elite status very quickly off of her injury but at the same time like she might be the first person that i go you know what this load management thing isn't ridiculous all of a sudden uh yeah, because i, I agree I, I just that level of a schedule for someone like that like you would hate you would hate for that to be the reason that things got heavily exacerbated yeah there's there's something that happens when you're physically exerting yourself uh overly i mean these it's it's so hard steve because they're they're not like us they're professional athletes they're they're built for this sort of thing they're playing a short they're not like us they're, you're they're totally right us. it's just i still believe there is a level of physical exertion that 
and I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't know if this is true or not. This is just intuitive that if you're ex- like exhausting yourself night after night on this sprint to get a good seed for the, the playoffs, which we all hope happen uh, between July and September, mm-hmm. are you not more susceptible by September to, you know, things, first of all, breaches in the bubble, um, which are going to happen because there's just no way to, you know, without constructing a like a concrete Truman show yeah. hemisphere around this thing, like the you know, which but, by the way not more susceptible to to catching this thing after three months of you know physical labor. I have to I have to get it out really fast before I forget. Wrap the Truman show thing. What's wrong with all of our brains? I, I if anyone denies this, listening to this right now, you're lying to me right now. We all imagined a physical bubble. We all imagined a literal giant glass dome being lowered down into Bradenton, Florida. And you, there's like a big air suction that happens when you open the door and then you go in. And it, it basically is Sandy Cheeks' oh. home in SpongeBob. Yeah. It's like exact that little like biodome. Like we all, I'm well, telling you right now, every last human pictured that. And right now, if you're sitting here like, Steve, come on, get with it. No, I didn't. You're lying to me. We all have a little bit of fun imagination, and we all pictured Truman Burbank sailing into a wall, and like all of us, it happened to all of us. It's our brains are so weird. As soon as we hear the word bubble, it, that it said, would, I completely cut off your point. It would, it would make a lot more sense when there's a lot of coaches right now, basically saying like, I can't think of a healthier place to be than an, as if for a physical barrier. And and what they're really saying is it. it it's it's not any safer. It's just that they will have access to the like like testing will be more accessible. They're going to be tests every day or every other day, so they're going to catch it earlier than they would catch it elsewhere. But it doesn't make it safer. It just means it's more alert. And there's a difference. Our our point is that there is no there is no barrier between you and this virus. There's just a, a high degree of testing to catch it if if someone gets it and physical exhaustion has to be a factor right like again i'm not a medical expert but you know by by the end of the september sprint people are going to be going into the playoffs and they're going to be tired and they're going to be more susceptible to catching this and if we have an incomplete playoffs it's going to feel like why did we even try to do this this year exactly every freaking thing in the world right now comes back to the virus so we'll try to avoid it and actually just talk about the game of basketball for at least a few minutes for the people that are probably going nuts hearing this but Jumping into things, let, let's go ahead and hit it right off the bat. Obviously, there's no coincidence as to why the first game is the first game. And one thing I'll note is for those early days, especially before the, the NBA starts on, on around the 31st, a lot of coverage uh, for, for games are going to be coming around that time, which is awesome. ESPN is going to be airing that first matchup, ABC following that, uh, which is really solid. But the first matchup, Seattle Storm. New York Liberty, there's no question in anyone's mind why this is happening. I, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, you could have done Liberty Mystics. Basically what I'm saying, Logan, was was Sabrina Ionescu not going to be the first, the opening matchup well, of this league? For I, I'm almost convinced they're having this season in part because they need to have a Sabrina rookie season. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that is a significant factor in driving making this season happen it, it's that much of a, I mean she was drafted to New York and those jerseys sold out immediately I mean this is a legitimate uh, it, this is probably one of the biggest cases of player buzz we've ever had with a rookie in the league yeah I it, it makes a lot of sense I, I I have the weirdest gripe and maybe it's just because I'm I'm real gripey today which is a word 
But I have a question for you about this matchup. The main narrative of this matchup is Sabrina v. Sue, right? Because it kind of feels like a passing of the torch era matchup, right? I contend that it's Sabrina v. Stewie. Well, I actually I, think that's the real story. I get it that position-wise they don't match up, but yeah, I that, I would even that's go what so I think the headline is doing. And and no disrespect to Sabrina v. Uh, v. Sue because we didn't see either of those uh, two players play in their league last year, and and of course we want to see them face off this year. I would say the biggest story of this game is the return of Stewie to the court. I think you mm-hmm. could just make the argument that you know a, a player who won an MVP and a championship the last time we saw her out is going to be back and in contention. And I think the the Storm are are early favorites this year to be to be holding that trophy at the end of the year. So I I am excited for Sabrina, uh, and I I am intrigued by the Liberty, and I of course we want to see Sue out there doing her thing. But uh, I I think Stewie's return from the Achilles and and how she looks uh, back with her teammates is actually my my preferred narrative for this game, even though I know that's not the, the reason that they're going to be on ESPN. I, I think the the first line of matchups will, will be fun in a lot of different ways, but that's obviously that, that to me is you obviously have this rookie who is, is taking up so much of the spotlight and is going to look fantastic in seafoam green. And I, I think the other side of it is we're all very hungry to see what Stewie's to, to see her on the court again and see what she's going to be able to put together and when is she going to be back to form? Because uh, a dominant Bree Stewart playing basketball in the WNBA is a very good WNBA. It's, it's WNBA can sink your teeth into. And so I, I think that stands out on that end. Here's the difficulty from here is it's hard to really call it like what are key matchups you're excited for because I feel like there's excitement behind just about everything at this point honestly yeah i i you know sabrina versus the mercury i uh, on espn on on august 2nd like i you know you can pick any game out of a hat and find a, a storyline for it because the draft was so huge and and the season's been delayed so long that i there there is a story i do think we should talk about which is that uh, the liberty have are leading the league currently in espn matchups you have a different take than kyle and i on on the liberty i personally believe that sabrina will be the rookie of the year front runner and and that will make the Liberty um, good television in that regard. But in 22 games, I would be shocked if they won eight. I, I do not think they're going to be very good. In fact, I'd be very surprised if they were in the playoff hunt. I believe you differ, and I, I want to give you a, a time to, to explain. I think it's really simple. I just can't rule them out as a playoff team at this point because you're looking at several teams that lost very key contributors this team overwent such a facelift that if they didn't win a hand, a lot of games, I don't think you'd be shocked, but I also just get the sense that there's a high level of talent that comes behind it. Uh, I think Kia nurse really almost becoming a team leader in her third season. I think we've seen a pattern of high level first round picks. If they play well, getting their players to a certain brink rookie Asia Wilson was very close to getting the aces to the playoffs the her first year after the san antonio stars the year previous did not play well and i think that's on top of the fact that yes the connecticut sun without john cole jones are a playoff team the aces without liz cambage are a playoff team but you're putting you now have situations where there are going to be high level competitive teams i don't view the liberty as kind of a bottom feeder and, and it's interesting because you guys probably view the wings higher than i do in that that's kind of the team that I see potentially struggling now. Cause I, I see Dallas as short-term loss, long-term gain. Like that roster will flourish in time. 
the Liberty in the same way. I just, I'm not at a place that I look at that roster and I look at the, the young and hungry attitude. These people just don't have the context of enough experience to realize like, you know, that Liberty is supposed to be bad, right? Like it's almost that feeling behind it. What I'll say to that though, because you've talked about just how much airtime they're going to get. It's going to be evident very quickly to a lot of us, whether that payoff was completely smart, because I think rolling out Sabrina for her first game, making, making that the opening event, because you're going to get really strong ratings. That's a name people want to see across all levels of basketball fandom, the amount of exposure that they're laying out currently. And especially when you consider ESPN is one of right now four different mainstream network options. She's, she's taking up essentially the Paramount one. The network structure is really interesting. I think a lot of teams are frustrated. I know the Fever or a specific team that voiced that frustration of saying like there's a lot of other less than successful teams the last couple of years that seem to be getting put ahead of us. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I'll also be interested to see how this does potentially adjust. I feel like there are a handful of games, especially in the back half that aren't right now on networks that may very well get picked up. And I can't speak for Kathy Engelbert, but I wouldn't be shocked if they almost have some sort of flex strategy where they're able to say like, listen, if by the first part of September or, you know, later mid part of August, the Mercury are just on a hot streak, we might bump a Mercury game up that we, we weren't planning on before. Right. I'm sure they have something like that in place. And I, I'll tell you, you just mentioned that the fever were one of the teams upset about it. I hope it's them. I hope the fever go on a 2020 tour of ultimate revenge to every bad thing said about them for three years. And that it's like, because it, because you're right, they are going to, I think there are open spots, uh, especially on ESPN to, to flex teams into. And it just seems like the type of year, and we, we've come back to this again and again, where any team in the league can start six and three and mm-hmm. seven and three and eight and three. And then suddenly it's just like, oh, we have, we have this story arc that came out of nowhere. And it turns out this is the team that's healthy it's ready to go. That's handling the bubble the, the best of any of the teams, and they're a real contender this year. And uh, yeah, we all I think we know who those teams are going to be, but it the, could be any of them. The structure of how this season is going to go, and all the circumstances, everything that's come with it, a narrative that runs across the whole league is a lot of players have a potential narrative pointed at them, which is if you were looking for the open gate to make a name, to take advantage of an opportunity, and become something more than you could if circumstances were different now is that time we have open space now for certain people to get to an elite level or from a novice level to an all-star level like there's a high potential for a lot of that to build if there's one player right now that i say could potentially bust out in in just an overall high potential to just become to take advantage of getting to a ceiling that we may not even have known was possible it is erica wheeler that like yeah. the energy she's taking out of that all-star game last year and last season a high level of expectation where i could see a, a scenario where erica wheeler balls out to a point that it propels the fever in, in a lot of ways you know, and there's... i'm either saying that because that's how it feels or i'm either saying that because i really 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 want that to happen there's an obvious yeah. downside to playing in the midst of a pandemic and players being, you know, sitting out for personal reasons, being a little bit nervous about putting themselves at risk, um, a, a league missing, you know, or every year we miss some of our, our stars for various reasons, um, injury or, or personal reasons. Um, but there's something romantic too about this season being the first in a long time where 12 teams with 12 roster spots 
actually have room for new players to come in and and immediately perform. Um, and that's a combination of of a lot of those players, like I mentioned, sitting out and opening up some space in an otherwise very stuffed with talent league and a, a league that's very tough to break into. And also the whole the whole setup. I mean, this is basically a lot of these veteran players probably haven't performed in this setting since college. This, you know, this is competition at almost it's, you know, something that I like about college sports, even though it's it's weird that we don't pay college players, is that it is the amateur level. And it's going to be so interesting seeing professionals perform in a setting that's like you don't have a home court or an away court. This is basically like a three month long tournament. And it's just a round robin that never ends. And I think some teams will respond to that better than others. And it's so yeah. like, again, it's there's kind of this romantic notion to me in sports that a team like the Wings could go out and be like, like you always say, like, you know what? We don't even know we're supposed to be bad because we're all brand new here. And we've all been on traveling teams and stuff in our childhoods. And we all want to win. We're all competitors. And let's just freaking do it. Like, like yeah. the, you know, Maya Moore might not be here. You know, Deladon might not be here. It's anyone's for the taking. That summer camp mentality could propel some teams far. If they build a yeah. bond and they're able to work well together, I think it could take a slot. You know, if they had that, remember the Titans left side, strong side experience above what other teams <laughs> have, you'd be shocked we have it. You talked about courts. We've talked about certain players. There's two more, I would call them personally important stories that we have to hit really quick. You talked about that, like the, the home court experience isn't quite there. We're going to be playing on neutral court. That leads directly to, can we take just a minute to talk about the, the official on game court? Yes. You're giving me thumbs right now on the video. It, seems you're on board i i dig it i like yeah. it because most teams had the 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 their like own team art at center court wherever they were mm -hmm. playing but not all of them did um because you know a lot of teams were forced to play in, in not their home gyms or in college gyms at different points and i think this whole neutral site round robin 22 game sprint Again, all the outside stuff is horrible. Like it sucks that the pandemic has forced us into this situation. In a vacuum, this is going to be so cool if it if it if we pull it off, right? Like if we keep the players safe, yep. because it is. It feels like yeah. like you and I have been down to the Mountain West tournament where you know fans pour in for two hours and then they pour out and then they're replaced by fans in different colored T-shirts and they pour in and then they pour out. And it's the Thomas and Max centers and is. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's just the sight of great basketball all day long every day and i i kind of dig the idea it's uh it's almost like wimbledon-esque where it's just this is the stage and it's yeah. it's a level playing field for everyone like like come and come and show us what you got no that's i think that's the side of it I, the court design specifically i think the one note that i'll make is aesthetically there's a lot of really cool stuff about it what it honestly reminds me of is I don't know if you remember playing like NBA street kind of did this and NBA jam was a big one. It feels to me like a, like a bonus court that you get after winning like a championship yeah. around. Like yeah, you got totally. through all of this. Here's this really dope court. That's all like, like black walled and there's cool tech and there's screens and it's this really fun court. And you're also the beastie boys. That's your three, your three on three <laughs> team that you also unlocked. So go play on that. Like that's how it feels. It's kind of cool. I, I will say as I've seen videos, I've felt better about it because that back wall looked like a lot closer in photos. And I was worried about that. It seemed to be a hazard. Yeah. I do worry just a tiny bit about the the monitors that are up. They're not quite at head height. They're higher than that. But there is potential for a player to jump out for a ball and 
and just <laughs> knock their head on it. I think it's unlikely, but like uh, this, the safety thing, it's worried me just a little bit. My only question is what are the broadcast capabilities going to be with it? Like just, mm-hmm. you basically can only really film on one side of the court. How are you going to make it a dynamic view and not just look like as a Pruder film of a, of like a division three basketball game where they have one camera and it's the freshman of the broadcast program. I, do, I, filming I, it. I agree. It totally, it does. It looks like a bonus level court. That's, that's exactly what it is. Um, I, not to be too wild, but I do wish that both the NBA and WNBA took this opportunity as a chance to try out some new things. Um, yeah. And I understand that they're trying to basically go bare bones uh, just to, to have a league and to have, you know, have a playoffs and, and just get players on the court. But why not introduce some new ideas in the broadcasting and be like, look, everybody's going to watch anyway. Why don't we try out some things that maybe we could incorporate into a normal season in the future? Like I, you yeah. know, the spider cam in the NFL is like the, the prime example of like, that was the XFL's idea. And then everyone was like, this is dope. And they, they made it a thing. So, you know, I, I think this is a time where they could get creative with, you know, I, I don't usually love creative camera angles. I, I think standard broadcasting has pretty much figured out what works for basketball. But, you know, try out I, different, you know, interview players on the bench during games for all. You know. I don't know if you remember this. There's been video of it online. But I don't know if you remember, like, there was an all-star game about a decade and a half ago that had, like, the floor glide cam where they had a floor cam that yes. was going with the flow yes. of the basketball. And it's the sickest thing I've ever beautiful. seen. It was actually, and it, it was, happened once, so, and we basically never saw it again. And I don't know why. It was so cinematic. It was. It was so incredible. Um, I yeah, also like an AAU basketball game would have looked incredible in that view. Like there's no way it was. It was I so also cool. wish that in in a year where we're just forced into a situation where there can't be fans at games, I wish we could see an outdoor game, even just mm-hmm. once. I I so badly. I, one of my favorite games that they play um, a lot of years is they do the aircraft carrier college basketball game. Um, I I so badly want to see an outdoor like they could still set up I I realize they can't be playing on like asphalt although that would be cool too but you could set up a a wooden court and and basically on like a stage outdoors and and do an outdoor game um, in in Florida at at Disney World or whatever wherever the NBA is playing Mm -hmm. and I I just think seeing players play outside like back in their playground route uh, would would just be a lot of fun but I would have killed for that honestly you i never thought about it until you brought it up but for instance like if this was in southern california and they could have happened to play on like a bubbled venice beach or something that wouldn't be possible but the idea of like come on that would look like a, amazing a professional game that counts for something being played on like the playground I, I, you know what you do so the mnb has this opportunity because they have they want to open up a second bubble for the teams that aren't going to the season you know have a round ball <laughs> tournament with them instead just for the fun of it yeah, like, that would be that would be cool. Yeah, they're doing a lot of Chicago, yeah. the the second bubble, which is just wild. Yeah, why the hell? Why I don't know. Why wouldn't you do that? It just makes sense to me. So I could talk about the quarter for a lot longer because it was a pretty cool thing. The last thing I have to hit, we've gone this entire episode and not once talked about kicks. Can we talk about the Stewies for a second? Yep, yep. The Stewies <laughs> are. Uh, I I want them. I want them on my feet. They are. Cool. Here's the thing. I'm not as much of a sneakerhead as you are. I, I acknowledge when something looks good. And a lot of times I get excited just about unique designs, fun colorways, or for instance, like if someone does kind of a cool print of a Disney Channel show or something, it's pretty sweet. This is just legitimately like, that's a great shoe. That's just a really, really good shoe. And it's beautiful. And I love like the high top cutoff. Like it's very flush cut at the ankle. 
and I love the white lacing and the Stewie colorway, and I just it's it's the, the perfect sneaker to me. It's so great. Yep, it is. I, it's excellent, <laughs> and and honestly, I think some of the reason why um, why I like any any shoes in the Seattle Storm colorway is because I love so much the the Jewel Lloyd um, like electric yellow uh, Kobe's um, yeah. that yeah that are that are sitting right behind you on your show. Because I, yeah. I just always I, that was one of our first impressions of the league is this team that you know wearing Seattle green and yellow had these like electric yellow um, accents to them and I you know Stewie's always had a good good kick game. In fact, she mentioned on Twitter that she brought her off white collection with her to the bubble, um, so she will still be flexing on all of us uh, even from this closed campus uh, day in and day out, which I think is great. Because imagine, I mean, imagine the logistics of going from Seattle to, to Orlando or Bradenton or wherever they are. And uh, like packing for that trip being like, I haven't, I haven't played since my Achilles tear. I want to make sure I have the essentials and then being like, all right, this suitcase, I guess like this is, this is the, like the flex shoes. They're not even for the court. They're just for the, the walk up. I'm not hating on that at all. I think that's (laughs) every TV show in the nineties always had like the stereotypical joke of, all these students are going on a trip and like the rich girl in the group has to have her suitcase of makeup. Uh, like uh, this has to come with me. I love the idea that so many WNBA players legitimately like, no, like this entire giant box, like this tub is full of sneakers that have to make it. I don't care what you do. I don't care what I have to pay in shipping. Like this has to make it to Florida. It, it is amazing to me. It also brings up an idea that I think like, you have the potential to do kind of a cool thing. The trend right now in sports is to jersey swap or you jersey swap. I would love oh. to see WMA players sneaker swap at the end of games. Yeah, that would that would be kind of cool. Especially like, a lot of a lot of shoes are, are really expensive. Like in the in the shoe game, shoes can be rare and they can be custom, um, which is <laughs> I, I think a lot of Bree Stewart stuff. Um, she wears. Yeah, them. and that would be that would be kind of a unique souvenir. Um, maybe you wouldn't do it every game, but like you know the next. The, the last Tarazi Sue Bird matchup, they should do something like that. Because, by the way, uh, this is something that we, we don't need to get into yet, but uh, Sue Bird and Diana Tarazi have basically said if they weren't able to play this season, they would probably be done. And yeah. I, I think that's something we all knew, um, just age-wise. We all knew that that was the point where they were at in their career. But to see headlines like that coming out before the season, like yeah. it really proves to me why it's important we have a season. Is you know, For some players coming back and playing this yeah. year is the difference between having you know having one last go at a championship and basically just calling it a day yeah exactly it's it, there's so many narratives about it that are going to be interesting and you hope that things stay safe and you can see the full season out so a lot of those stories can be told i'm going to hit one sneaker thought and then i think it's time for us to put a bow on things we t- already talked about the stewies we have Storm Liberty to kick off the season. We kind of know what two key players are going to be hitting the court in. If if we could see a sneaker swap of the Stewies and Sabrina's uh, Kobe Pro Tro big stages, it would <laughs> yeah. be like sneaker history. Like it would it'd be in textbooks. Like when when there's a sneakerhead major at a college, which will happen in the next twenty years, feels like oh. that's true. That'll that'll be in textbooks. It's a huge opportunity you just can't miss. I, I'm going to teach that class. I just figured out what my dream job is. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we had this discussion. 
we're going to talk about shoes. I just, um, I, I'm almost not kidding. There's been weirder majors. There's so much about this that we could probably dive into, but obviously we've taken up a lot of real estate. It is, but is there anything else that you want to bring to the table before we put a bow on the episode? No, I, I'm glad we covered the the stories that we did. I, I'm sure there will be more coming out in the next week as we get uh, closer and closer to the day. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, I, I, as as much anxiety and trepidation as we all feel, we we are also thrilled that there will be a season and that we will get to. Uh, <laughs> again, we we can't tell the future and how long it'll go and and how successful it'll be, but uh, we're excited to be able to bring you content about this season um and and the story arcs that unfold with each of these teams um we're going to hopefully have some interviews for you coming up with uh some more some more interesting people throughout the world of women's basketball uh obviously if you haven't followed us yet on twitter uh wnb nation pod is where you can find us all please interact with us and share us your favorite kicks of uh of the preseason as well as the uh your rookie of the year takes and, and how you feel about the liberty's chances of making the playoffs this year other things that we've covered uh Stewie, if you're listening, we're so glad that you're back and healthy and in the wobble. And uh, we're excited to see you sport the Jordan 11s uh, on the court on opening day. That's it for me. Fantastic. Well, you are you already called out the Twitter. I would say on top of other opportunities uh, for for the show, if you do are looking for some extra content, extra opportunity, would like to help support our cause. Check us out on our Patreon page. Uh, you know, proceeds for our Patreon go directly toward efforts we can make to continue to improve the program here and it's been a good experience uh we got some really good kickbacks that we just revamped for the level so you can check that out head out to our store ending page and and grab some awesome merch uh that was designed in-house any of our merch goes directly toward initiatives to bring fans to women's sporting events for the first time uh so we hope that you know we can continue to see that obviously right now that's not a possibility we'll see (laughs) we might be able to do some cool stuff but that said uh some opportunities there otherwise we definitely love having you here for the ride. We are so, so, so close to watching real basketball and getting to talk about real basketball, which is going to be refreshing in its own right. But until, of course, all of that, thanks again for listening to WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones. And we'll catch you next time.